Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to worship with you this morning. If you're new here at Hope, I want to say a special welcome to you this morning. I'm Jeff Bills, one of the pastors, along with Rick Court, who is also on staff here as one of the pastors. And uh, before we go into our series, I wanted to, uh, we wanted to just share two things real briefly. First of all, happy Father's Day. For those of you who are dads, happy Father's Day to you. And uh, man, what an honor it is for us to have that title, Dad. It is one of the highest callings that any of us will ever have. You know, and I'm picturing today that uh, your children are going to be gathered around you, sitting at your feet, <laughs> saying things like, Father, we are so honored to be your children, and we desire today as every day to do everything that you ask of us, Father. <laughs> I don't know. A little fantasy I have going on. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't have that, here's what you need to know. That you're doing the most important work as a father that you'll do in your life. That the example that you set will be forever tattooed on the heart and soul of your son, of your daughter. And so it is a high calling and a great challenge. Um, but let this day be a reminder to you to... Um, make this investment the highest investment that you'll, you'll do. Yeah, and we also know that not everyone has had a great father experience. As a matter of fact, there's some that are good, some bad, and some even indifferent, but all of our fathers, including these two here on the <laughs> platform, have inadequacies uh, like that little comedic piece a minute ago. Uh, <laughs> some, though, are bigger than others, and we recognize that. But regardless of how good or how flawed your earthly dad may have been, we have a heavenly father who is the only perfect father, the only perfect dad. And so enjoy your day, and yeah, happy Father's Day. I hope it's a great one. The other thing we wanted to share with you briefly is, you know, we've been doing this online um, worship since day one of the pandemic, uh, all the way back in March. And every week, um, it's been our privilege to be able to do this. And we've taken it as a challenge, our team, to try to raise the bar and to get better at this uh, each week, incrementally, not getting ahead of ourselves, but, but trying to do it a little bit better each week. And uh, we hope that you're noticing that as well. Looks like we're gonna be doing it for a while, and so we wanna continue to get good at it. Um, and we're excited by the response. The numbers uh, that we have uh, coming for these worship experiences has, um, is far beyond what we would have on a normal Sunday um, over these past uh, number of weeks. So we're committed to uh, doing this well and uh, to taking the next step, which we have a new step coming. Yeah, we're excited about uh, a couple things. First is that uh, starting July 5th, we have a brand new address for our, uh, for our live experience. It's right here on the screen. It'll be meethope.live. That's going to be our permanent address for now on. That'll, that's where we'll go beginning July 5th, meethope.live. It's different than the last one, just a little bit, but it is different. So we want to make sure that you get to our site on July 5th. Uh, it'll be our permanent address. So you can bookmark that. You can share it with your friends and all those kinds of things beginning July 5th. Also on July 5th, we're excited that we're going to have two identical worship services at 9 and 1030 just like we would if we were in a physical space. So 9 okay. and 1030 at meethope.live. And so we're excited about that. And if you are uh, 
Uh, if you enjoy the, the chat that's up there, you know, we've been calling that live chat our virtual lobby, and, you know, some people uh, log in and look forward to sharing what's going on. I was looking at it just a few minutes ago and saw some comments already. And if you uh, enjoy that part of our service time and you'd like to be part of our chat host team, uh, we'd love for you to join us. So the chat host is on there today can uh, let you know, uh, you can let them know and they can tell you how you can get involved or you can just email me at rick at meethope.org. So those are exciting things. We're looking forward to July 5th. And then the last one is, I almost forgot, is the kids are getting a new permanent address also. So the kids will be at hopekids.live and they're moving their time to 10 a.m. So it's in between our two worship times. So hopekids.live at 10 a.m. And again, we'll have lots of information about this uh, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, we're excited about uh, the improvements we can make with these uh, these new addresses. I can hear the kids now saying, Thank you, Pastor Rick, for... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as we move in back into our uh, series, uh, Red Letters, The Words of Jesus, one of the threads of a theme that has gone through each of these weeks is the unbreakable bond between our vertical and our horizontal relationship. In other words, as we're learning to love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, all of our strength that that vertical relationship is, has implications for how we relate to other people, that horizontal relationship as well. And that an, a question that should be in our minds all of the time as we are engaged with other people is this question, what does love require of me? And then to do it. What does love require of me? And then to do it. So that's a theme throughout this series. Now this morning, Jesus is going to uh, challenge his disciples in the area of resources. It was a shocking kind of uh, challenge for them back then, 2,000 years ago, and it continues to be a challenge for us who are Christ followers today. And so in this area of resource, there are two broad mindsets that we bring to resources, or the other way I talk about resources is the stuff of life. So there's two broad mindsets that people have, scarcity and abundance, scarcity and abundance. Now a scarcity mindset says that there is limited resources, limited resources that I don't have enough, I need more, and I have nothing to give. That's a scarcity mindset. And it doesn't matter where you fall on the economic spectrum. This is a mindset that, affects, that can affect anybody on any economic uh, strata, so to speak. In fact, people who are transcendently wealthy often have a scarcity mindset. J. Paul Getty, who uh, was the richest man on the planet in the 1970s. Lots of stories about this guy, but the one that really kind of captures his mindset for me was that in his mansion, he had payphones installed. So if somebody was visiting him in his mansion and wanted to make a phone call, they had to use a payphone, all right? John Rockefeller who is arguably the richest man in modern history. He lived in the early 1900s. He was the first billionaire ever. J.D. Rockefeller was once famously asked, how much money is enough? And his response was, a little bit more. (laughs) That's a scarcity mindset, right? 
And it applies not just to money, uh, Rick, it applies to other aspects right. of life as well. Mm -hmm. So in areas of uh, power sharing, for ex example, mm -hmm. people are, you know, who have a scarcity mindset want to hold on to power. Yeah, you can see scarcity mindset in a lot of different settings. Sometimes it's, it's not just about people not wanting to be generous. They can also be just people who demonstrate anxiety or even anger about their resources because they're worried that there's not going to be enough. Uh, they can be envious of others so they yeah. don't want others to get credit for something, uh, even though they, they, that, that's owed to them. So they, they don't like to see other people be successful. And then uh, most recently, I think the, the, the way that I think scarcity has been most clear, and, and, and really it's something that can sneak up on all of us right? in, the, in our thinking, is um, early in our COVID-19 experience, back in March, you remember when this first happened, there was a run on toilet paper. Classic. Toilet paper. And it went around that there wasn't going to be enough toilet paper. And when there isn't enough, the response then is, I need to get more. I need to hoard. And so toilet paper was off the shelves because people needed more. And then right. we heard a few months later, or maybe it was weeks or months later, that there may be a, wheat, uh, a meat shortage. And when there's a maybe a shortage, there may not be enough, people respond with, oh, I need to get more. And so you can see how this is scarcity mindset is easily something that we can fall into. Yeah. We can get in it and we can get out of it. Mm. You know, there's another term more commonly used, I think, for a scarcity mindset. Um, it's the term greed. Mm. And I was looking up definitions for greed and I came across um, a definition in the business dictionary. I didn't know there was a business dictionary, but there is. In the business dictionary, it says that greed is someone who cannot have enough. The more that they have, the more that they need, they are never satisfied. And as a boomer, I can't hear that without thinking, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, I can't get no satisfaction. We're really getting comfortable up here, aren't we? I am. I'm having a blast. It's Father's Day. so. Uh, but, you know, this idea of uh, there's no satisfaction, and um, it's this greed mindset. I've got to hold on to it. Um, and it really does damage to the heart and to the soul. So Jesus was teaching about this idea of mm. scarcity and abundance to his disciples. And he did it in an interesting way. It was during a time in his ministry um, where he and his disciples were trying to get away from the crowds. They wanted to be alone or apart together. Mm -hmm. Just the 12 or 13 of them um, in a remote place. So they got into a boat and they went off to this remote place but people heard about where he was heading and rumors spread. And so people began to make their way there. And so when Jesus and the 12 landed at this place, there was already a crowd there and more and more people were coming. Mm -hmm. It's in Matthew's, uh, for, uh, the 14th chapter of Matthew's gospel. And it says that when Jesus stepped off the boat and he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them and began to minister to them. And as Matthew tells the story, we get the, the impression or the understanding that there was a, a, day, a full day spent in ministry. And so now it's the end of the day, and Matthew records this. Uh, it's going to be up on the screen. It says that that evening the disciples came to him and they said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. So send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, 
that isn't necessary. You feed them. Now, it seems that as we read this, the disciples really are just being practical, right? They're, it's a large crowd, and it's, we've been out here all day, and it's a remote place, and these people surely must be hungry, and there's no grocery store in the area, Jesus, so send everybody home because it's getting late, and our day is done. We're fried. We've been out here all day. And so while it may seem practical, and possibly it could even seem as if the disciples were showing some real care for these people, I would suggest there's an implication here other than that, that the disciples were saying, hey, you know what, Jesus, we're not responsible for this crowd of people. Let them go take care of themselves. But Jesus had another plan. After this long day of ministry, after uh, uh, all that they've been through, he challenges the disciples to serve the ones they, they want to send away. So then the story goes on, and in verse 17, Matthew says that the disciples now begin to have a conversation with Jesus. He says, feed them, and, and they say, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here. So the disciples had some food now, we're finding out. He, they were told to send them, uh, they, they said we had to send everybody away so they can eat. The disciples had food. They had five loaves and they had two fish. They didn't think it was enough. Possibly when the crowd was being sent away, maybe they thought, hey, you know what? There's 13 of us, we can split up five loaves and two fish. Let's get rid of everybody else because then we can share this meager lunch together. The disciples began to argue with Jesus about the practicality of what he wants them to do. He says, hey, we only have five loaves and two fish. Matthew's gospel is actually a little light on the argument that's being made. In this story in John's gospel, John says that the disciples were arguing in this way. They said, hey, it's going to take a small fortune to feed this crowd, Jesus. Where do you think we're going to find that? Uh, and in another gospel, it says that they said to Jesus, it's impossible. It's impossible to feed a crowd like this. And that's one of those lessons we get from this scarcity mindset is that it leads us to argue with Jesus. Mm. That I don't want to share my limited portion because there just isn't enough. We don't have enough. I don't have anything that I can share. So we need to send those away so that I can make room for all that I have. So Jesus asked the disciples to uh, bring it. So he says, hey, bring me the five loaves, bring me the two fish, and Jesus is going to take an opportunity now to teach the disciples about abundance. It's up on the screen again. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and the children. So Jesus chooses to engage the disciples in serving the crowd. Notice that Jesus had the bread and fish, he handed it to the disciples, and they handed it to the crowd. This could have been maybe a very efficient way and a very practical way, but I don't think this event is about practicality right. at all. Here's an important takeaway 
for us this morning. And I believe this is the message for us from this story, is that God doesn't want generosity from you. He wants generosity for you. And I think we have that on the slide. God doesn't want generosity from you. He wants generosity for you. God doesn't need us to participate in what God is doing. Jesus surely could have taken the bread and fish and handed it out to the crowd himself. He could have told the disciples to go off and rest, take a break. You guys have a bad attitude about this anyway. But he didn't do that because they discovered there is more than enough when Jesus is involved. That Jesus doesn't need us to participate in what Jesus is doing but he wanted the disciples to learn something. That God doesn't need us to participate in what God is doing. God is certainly capable of handling these things himself. But when we're involved with what God is doing, when we choose to participate, we discover that our scarcity or greed mindset is transformed into an abundance or a generosity mindset. That this generosity, this idea of generosity is, is part of this abundant life that Jesus is teaching the disciples and teaching you and me. That as we give, we learn and become more like Jesus. Interesting, right? It's being in the process, or being in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. That as we give, we learn and become more like Jesus. So Jesus is challenging this mindset mm. and bringing to their attention this idea that everything that you have is a gift from God. Think about that. Everything that you have, this isn't just about our money. This is about your talents. This is about your abilities. This is about your um, time. You know, that's one of the great equalizers. We all have the same amount of time. Everybody has 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 12 months in a year. We all have the same time, that same resource. So this mindset, this understanding that everything that we have is a gift from God. And when we are grateful for it and understand it as a gift, then we have this openness to be willing to ask the question, what does love require of me when it comes to the stuff of my life? How can I use what God has given to me to bless others? Because as I'm blessing others, that's the horizontal, God is blessing me, that's the vertical. And so I've got this capacity. And so there's some practical things that we can do to ensure that we stay in this mindset of abundance we have that awareness that everything I have is a gift from God. So in your prayer, that you are thanking God for the stuff that you have. You're not totally focused on the things that you don't have, mm -hmm. that you're thanking God for the stuff that you do have, and that you are naming those things and giving God thanks for those things. Another thing that we can do is look at challenges as opportunities and not dead ends. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes, especially in these days, we can look at things around us and just see one dead end after another rather than seeing that these really are opportunities that God uh, can use to grow our faith, to mature us, and to use us to bless others. I wanted to tell you this story um, real quickly uh, as an illustration of this. Back in February, before the whole pandemic thing hit, I was talking to one of our leaders um, of our food pantry, Tracy. 
And I asked Tracy, how many families was our food pantry taken care of? And she told me at that time it was 48 families. She said, our max is 50. When we hit 50, we're really struggling to keep everybody uh, getting the food that they need and, and the volunteers that we need to be able to provide for 50 families. So we were at 48 back in February. Last month in May, I asked the same question, how many families are we serving? And it was over 100, over 100. In those few months, we went from serving 50 to serving over 100. What happened? Well, of course, the need increased, but that was just the need. We could have looked at that need and said, scarcity, right? We only have enough to handle 50. But our food pantry team asked the question, what does love require of us? And so they wanted to increase that. And so we went from 50 to 60 to 70 to 90 to over 100. Um, and I don't know where we are in June so far. The only way that happened was that all of us got out of the scarcity mindset. Because in order to do that, we needed more volunteers. And so we asked for more volunteers, and guess what? More volunteers showed up. We needed more food. And so guess what? More food began to show up. We needed more money to be able to do it. And guess what? More money has shown up. Not because one person did it, but because all of us together decided that we had enough abundance within us that we could give a little more to help others. And when all of us did that, we had this huge impact. In fact, uh, the other cool thing that just happened, this is an aside, but I wanted to share it with you. Um, a few weeks ago, there's a farmer's co-op down in Vineland. They heard about our food pantry and they began about three or four weeks ago, every Wednesday when we have our food pantry, they deliver over 120 boxes of fresh produce so that when we give families food, we're also able to give them fresh produce from these farmers. See, this is a reminder, friends, that God doesn't want generosity from us. He wants generosity for us because it's the better way to and live. We, and when we discover that, gener that God doesn't want it from us but for us, we realize that it also, it, it, um, uh, it becomes contagious. Uh, yeah. One final thought I found in this story is that somebody in the group, when, when Jesus and his disciples were gathered together and they see the thousands of people and Jesus says, uh, you know, we're going to have to do some uh, feed this group. Someone in the group said, well, I've got five loaves and two fish. Now, my first thought was when I read that in the story is that that's the guy who, uh, you know, when you're in a brainstorming meeting and it's like there's no bad ideas, uh, he has the bad idea though because he's thinking out of the box and you're like, oh yeah, five loaves and two fish. That's going to do a lot for us. <laughs> All right, let's get back to really good ideas, right? Yeah. That's kind of what some people would think. And I, and I saw that too at first, but then I started to think of it differently and I said, what if that was the person who understood generosity? That was the one who saw that I have five loaves and two fish, and you can have it, and you can do what you want with it. Uh, John's gospel tells us that it was a young boy, um, a young boy who was willing to share his lunch, and it led to a dramatic lesson and an incredible feeding miracle, a lesson for the disciples, a lesson for you and me about generosity, that really it's all of us have something to offer.
right? All of us have five loaves and two fish. It may seem small, but don't believe that it is small because when we limit God, we limit the possibility. But when we know that, hey, I have five loaves and two fish, and God, here, this is what I have available, your resource is not too small. God can do a lot with a little. So really the question becomes, how might God use my five loaves and two fish? How might God use your two loaves and two fish? So Jesus spoke a lot about this idea of scarcity, and he spoke a lot about greed, and he spoke a lot about generosity. And so in Matthew's gospel, Matthew tells us that Jesus said this, that, and we just want you to listen to this challenge that comes from Jesus, and it really speaks for itself. Jesus was a really good teacher. So hear what Jesus said. It's from Matthew chapter 6. He said, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe for moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. And then he goes on and says this. When I'm try- what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how God works. So steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. So give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Amen. So we're going to pray, and uh, as we go to prayer, I just want to say, if you are in a time where all you are seeing are dead ends, Mm. this is an opportunity for you to begin to pray about opportunities. God, what do you have for me? Lord, help me to see all of the resources that you've entrusted to me, even in this time. And Lord, how can I use my resource to bless others, knowing that in doing so, you're going to continue to bless me. Don't look, for, don't look at the dead ends. Look at the opportunities. So let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, how grateful we are that you call us to a new life, to a better life, to an abundant life, where we have the opportunity to bring blessing into the lives of others using the resources that you entrust to us, using our time, using our talents, our abilities, our finances, all the stuff of life that we can use to bring blessing into the lives of others. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for the things that you've entrusted to our care. Thank you for all of the gifts that you have lavished on us. Help us to be faithful in using those to bring blessings to others knowing that you're going to be blessing us in the process. And all of the praise, all of the honor, all of the glory is yours, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now, friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you this day 
and forever. Amen.